2: Totally love that. I mean, it's like, just like you said, it's like the underdog winning. And that just makes everybody feel everybody feel great. You know, one of the favorite ones I love, you know, later James Bond, that you had fought James Bond, you know, Timothy Dalton, you know, as, a, as the prince. And uh, that was an amazing fight, you know, with the tilting, you know, little platter that you guys were on. Yeah. And you know, what was that scene like doing that? I mean, how did they do that? It looks like it was real, but
1: I mean, you're just standing in a green screen. Interviews live from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Greg, what's going on, man? How are you?
2: I am beside myself with excitement because we're going to talk to one of my absolute
1: favorite actors ever, Flash Gordon. Absolutely. So again, Sam Jones, Flash Gordon. Sam, when we talked the last time, welcome to the show. When we talked the last time, you know what blew me away? It was ultimately how of a humble man you are, but really... I wish I could have had about fifty-two stories of watching Flash Gordon because I literally watched it maybe twenty or twenty-five times. The movie and there's not many movies in my life that I watched that many times. Why do you think so many people watch your movie over and over again?
3: Well, th- first of all, guys, thank you for having me. Well, I think the question is, yes, it's a great point. It's why is Flash Gordon still relevant? I mean, you know, we we filmed this forty. What is it? Forty three years ago came out. Forty two years ago. I think he's relevant. Uh, uh, relevant because he's just a guy. So the world, every every uh, man, woman, and child, uh, they'll look at this character, Flash Gordon, and go, Wait a minute! Oh my gosh, these challenges he's faced with adversity. Oh, he's vulnerable. How's he going to do it? He has no superpowers. And then he has, he you know, he comes in. He helps. Uh, he helps in inno- it. He defends innocence. He neutralizes the threat and or brings them to justice. So I think they say, wait a minute, he's doing this. He's just a guy, he has no superpowers. If he can do that, then by golly, I can do it too. And I think that's why he's relevant. And I think that's the message. And yes.
2: <laughs> totally love that. I mean, it's like, just like you said, it's like the underdog winning. And that just makes everybody feel great. You know, one of the favorite ones I loved, you know, later James Bond that you had fought James Bond, you know, Timothy Dalton, you know, as uh as the prince. And uh, that was an amazing fight, you know, with the tilting, you know, little platter that you guys were on. Yeah. And you know, what was that scene like doing that? I mean, how do they do that? It looks like it was real, but I mean, you're just standing in a green
3: screen or how how do they do that? No, we we had blue screen back then, but there was there was really no, the only, no that was all that was a that was the battle disc. It was a rotating disc. And when it was elevated in its highest elevation, I think it was about 25 feet. Wow. So what you saw when the camera looked down, you saw infinity space. Um, but we had just a bunch of stacked boxes. And when we fell, we fell quite a bit. We fell onto these stacked boxes, which was quite funny, but it actually worked. Remember, we're <laughs> going back to 1979. Uh, but yeah, we had three technicians. We had uh, two operating the um, the spikes, two different sections of spikes, and then of course we had the other technician operating the tilt of the of the battle disk. So yeah. it, it wasn't so much that we—I mean, we, we rehearsed it for weeks. But uh, if we had rolled and tumbled onto the spikes, of course we wouldn't have been hurt because they were actually. It was an ingenious idea. It was um bicycle pumps that they used for the shaft. Yeah. You know, hollow bicycle pumps of uh, this metal and the, the tips of the spikes were a hard rubber. So if we had rolled on it, then we'd have to stop production and repair it. So yeah. but, but Timothy was great, you know. James Bond. He wasn't James Bond then, of course, no nope. <laughs> we, we we had that great chemistry and camaraderie and conflict. You know, being representing um, England and he and then, of course, me representing America. So so we brought uh, a lot of that history, good history into it and uh, just had a lot of fun.
1: That was great. It definitely does. And I said I have so many favorite scenes of the movie. But what about for the time you shot it and how Greg and I love it so much? You said the ordinary that you did it. You were able to do it. Uh, Sam, just out of nowhere, meaning that you were just a guy. I think that's one reason. But I also think that science fiction at that time and just the different things and how you were able to save the world and how you had so many challenges to try to save that world, right? There's so many, you just did it. Kind of like how we had to get on Zoom right now. There was complications, but you saved it. You saved yourself. that's the character flash gordon and i think that he is the only superhero i've ever i guess have dealt with that really had no superpowers and yet could be able to save the world the athlete the football star and how he thought he could conquer everything and he had to figure everything out and had to ask for other people's help it wasn't just and that's the other part of being a leader. Leadership is what Flash Gordon is as well. How he was able to become a leader to save the world.
3: Yeah, absolutely, Neil. I, I just think it came down to, of course, it, he. I got the part also because there was a naivete um, uh, about Sam J. Jones in his in that those years, twenty-two years old, twenty-three, and of course for Flash Gordon. And when it came to somebody in trouble, you know. It's, even Sam J. Jones or Flash Gordon, we don't call board meetings if there's if somebody's getting attacked right now. We don't call the board meeting and call in advisors. We we you know unless we have time to plan. Usually, Flash Gordon didn't have a whole lot of time to plan, so we just uh, reacted. We, so his character just reacted, and and I, I think that's the other message he sends. If it's if something is happening right now. Uh, and there's no time to plan you you gotta you gotta go with your your best instincts and usually the best instincts is common sense practical thinking that's it and if you have the time to plan you call in your advisors and you seek counsel on any issue yeah a- absolutely
2: that's <laughs> uh, so true I mean be flexible adapt and overcome I mean I think those are the traits of any person who's uh getting through life well or an entrepreneur business owner a leader yourself an author uh i i see you as an entrepreneur as well well thank um, you yeah certainly with your with your new uh comic book or you know what do they call them graphic novels now i'm not sure well, what yeah, to call it. But-
3: and, and yeah thanks i'm so excited we we i collaborated with uh rob archie writer uh an artist and, and then of course joe archie as well and uh this is my first comic book uh Aka, uh, it's it's a it's a graphic novel. So what's the simple definition of a graphic novel? This is a fifty-four page comic book, guys, and the title is called "Sam J. Jones Saves the Galaxy." Okay, which I love, you know, I absolutely love. So I mean, and what we do it, we talked to the fans before we we did the launch, and they said, "Hey, we're thinking about." Uh, we're thinking about just doing, you know, all these comic cons. I do. I talk to a lot of them on a every almost every almost every weekend if I'm available. I'm doing a comic con, and they wanted to come on board. They said, "No, you need to do you 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 know you you needed us uh, you needed us to come on board." And we said, "Well, what do you think?" Well, Indiegogo because they want ownership. They want a part. They. It's, they use the word backers. Uh, I like the word partnerships. So we decided based on what they wanted and their ownership, we decided to launch a couple of days ago, just Go, Sam J. Jones saves the galaxy. And right now, the, I mean, the first day, the first two days, I think we're day three or four, we're, we're almost there at the goal. And it's, it's incredible. And it's very, very exciting.
1: It's amazing. Wow, and so was this the first time you ever tried to do something like this, raise money like this?
3: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's it's my very first comic book. Um, so, uh, and they and, and Rob Archie is super talented. Uh, Joe Archie as well. They, you know, this is their core competency. You know, I just came on board, and 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 we we got the outline, uh, the script, and all that. And we just went back and forth. And Joe really pressed in. Uh, I'm sorry, Rob really pressed in on the story. And I, I love it because it's, it's, it's the same thing we discussed before. It's, it's action adventure. It's sci-fi and, uh, and anything, and it's family friendly. It's got, it's got the edge now. It's got the serious uh, edge to it, but it's for everybody, but anything can happen. Because again, in this story of Sam J. Jones, okay, is vulnerable. He's vulnerable because there are no superpowers. There's no superpowers. So he has to depend on his his wit and his athleticism. That's that's it. So I'm we're very excited, and we, and we the way it's going right now on this launch at Indiegogo, um, Sam J. Jones saves the galaxy. Uh, we're probably a couple of weeks away from going to print. So uh, get ready to receive your copies, guys. I'm excited
2: <laughs> hey, as long as it's signed. You know that'll be great. I'll send you yeah. a copy of my book signed and you can send me a comic book. I'll be so excited. Yeah. Uh, but I have a quick question to ask you. You know, yeah. when you're talking to your fans, I know just going to step back a sec to uh, Flash Gordon. When you're talking to fans, especially maybe younger ones, do, do they get Flash Gordon and
3: The Flash, you know, DC uh, confused? Yeah, it's funny. J- John Wesley, who played the flat, you know, uh, we, we appear um, oh, quite a few. I've seen him maybe five, six times at the Comic-Cons. And I always ask the promoter, put our tables next to each other so we can have some fun, okay? So um, I'll get some younger kids who ha- can't really uh, discern or, you know, they, they, they don't have it really – they're so young they haven't figured out the difference between the Flash or Flash Gordon, and they'll bring the Flash action figure up to my table and ask me to sign I said, no, you need to take that to, to John. He's the Flash. I'm Flash Gordon. No, no. Oh. No, no, Mister Jones. I want you to sign it. I said I can't uh, have him sign. And then also, when John gets up from his table, I will actually go at his and sit in his chair, just uh, <laughs> uh, you know, as the practical joker. That oh, that's we, great,
1: Coley. Let's, let's jump into specifically the whole thing of your character, Sam J. Jones, versus Flash Gordon. Now, you're both superheroes. What's the difference between the two, especially so we can learn more about the characters coming out with the graphic novel?
3: Uh, well, yeah, you're talking about the, the what's different about the difference uh, about the the character of Sam J. Jones in the yeah. comic book and Flash, uh, Flash Gordon? Well, guys, no shocker, okay? Uh, I say this a lot. It's so uncanny. It's so crazy how Sam J. Jones, the person, and Flash Gordon. The similarities are almost perfect. It's frightening from way back to 1979, even to now, you know, I remember I'm, I was a Marine. I I became a Marine at the age of 17. So I've been a Marine in my, in my mind still for 51 years. So uh, I bring the military background, background, I bring the southern country roots of Florida, Tennessee, in my very early years. And then, of course, California has been all those other years. And Flash Gordon, okay, and of course, I'm sorry, I played uh, Marine Corps football, uh, Sam J. Jones. So Flash Flash Gordon quarterback, New York Jets, and Sam J. Jones, Marine Corps football, with the military background and who I am as a Southern con- country boy with a little bit of that. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Uh, that upbringing and, and flash Gordon, uh, with, with his uh, upbringing, not much of a difference guys. It's, it's remarkable. It really is.
2: <laughs> that's amazing. That's, that's so good. Now I know you're just getting this to print, you know, the new comic book. Do you have uh, thoughts of having a series, uh, you're gonna wait and see how it is, or do you have the next one lined oh, yeah. up? Yeah, right?
3: you know, it's all. I'm in the com. I I I talked uh, two, three years ago. I talked to Mark Millar, you know, who did all these incredible comic books that, that went to movies. Uh, uh, Kick A. I don't know if I can say the A word on here, but one was the uh, Kick A. And uh, can I say the A word or not? Yeah. No, it oh, yes. go, go ahead.
1: Okay.
3: And then, of course. um, Oh God! His, yeah, see, I, I threw myself off on the rabbit trail, and his famous uh, the uh, the Kingsman and all that. Uh, oh yeah, I mean, it, I mean it's just it's just incredible, and um, and uh, so he he gave me some good advice. Just make it real, make you know, bring your passion and the people to come on board. But again, Rob Archie, uh, he, when he approached me on this, he said, "I got this great idea." I first met him at a comic con, and he had a painting. Of Captain America and a, and a two small paintings and a painting of Wonder Woman and I I I bought those paintings from him and then you know we we got to know each other and he said Sam I I think it's time you need to do a, a Sam J Jones comic book There's a lot of a, many as you know many Flash Gordon comic books and I'm I'm very happy that I have a huge collection personally not just comic books I have a huge uh, extensive Flash Gordon collection and comic books are Part of that, but when he said the Sam J. Jones, um, yeah, I and and then then when he then when we came up with the title, it was his idea, and I said, "Wow, uh, Sam J. Jones saves the galaxy." I thought, well, yeah, yeah, I mean that's yeah, it's it it, it it's appropriate. It's just it it's a, again, it's a great story in the comic book. Uh, I'm vulnerable, you know. You don't know. Could I? Yeah, I I could get hurt. Maybe I do get really hurt. Maybe I almost die because, again, there's no superpowers here. Uh, But it's funny. Let me just bring this in about uh, superpowers. Uh, Stan Lee, bless his heart, he and I went back and forth for years in a good way. He was such a cool guy. But um, when we did my documentary called Life After Flash, we interviewed him. And And this is Stan Lee. This is his famous quote. You can't be a super. You can't be a superhero unless you have superpowers. So he <laughs> said, and I think the producer and the director said, "Wait a minute!" But Sam J. Jones, okay, he's a super. Uh, you know, a Flash Gordon is a is a, a superhero. Well, yeah, there there might be a couple of, of, of different uh, exceptions, but in reality, uh, you can't be a superhero unless you have superpowers. That's Stan Lee quoting. But I wanted to say, Stan, I I went to tell him afterwards, but of course he passed on. I wanted to say, but Stan Lee, the very first superhero before any of them, Buck Rogers, 1933, and then eight months later, in January of 1934, Flash Gordon. Both of these superheroes, no superpowers, and they were the model. Okay, they were the mold and yeah. the model to copy uh, after that. So I just wanted to say
4: that to Stan. <laughs> well, that's, one.
2: that's really that's really great. And then they had the Buck Rogers out around the same time that you had your your uh, show out, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. What? Well, no, the let me see. Did, well? Did, did the movie or no? They the did book? a
1: series. It was, was a series. My, that yeah. was my favorite. Yeah, series. that came Another out later. That came out later, right? In the early yeah. 80s. That was yeah, early who '80s. Star, who was the star of the Buck Rogers thing, Sam?
3: Well, that's that's that's, that's Gil Gerard and uh, Aaron Gray and all that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was a huge fan yeah. of Buck Rogers. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he, he was wonderful. But I uh, fortunately uh, Dino De Laurentiis brought in um, uh, uh, Buster Crabbe, the original Flash Gordon, to help promote uh, our movie. Two weeks, so it would have been two weeks before Christmas, 1980. And he, and he helped us uh, promote that, which was incredible. Wow, really amazing.
5: All uh, right, and I was, was
3: also he was also the first flash Gordon. He was the first Buck Rogers. He was the first um, uh, Captain Gallant. He was the <laughs> first uh, gold medalist. Uh, well, he was the first uh, swimmer and medalist. And that, that's Buster Crab. okay.
1: Wow. <laughs> amazing. All right. So now I'm pulling up. This is definitely a real opportunity as I'm talking real shorts, all the different things I like to do with celebrities. And a, I'm looking at the different clips of Flash Gordon as I'm pulling these up. Again, the football scene was amazing. I, I love the crashing the wedding. I'm bringing up all the favorite scenes as I'm trying to remember them now, Greg. Then there's the uh, To the Death. That was another amazing scene. I'm just Googling right now. And The Deadly Ritual. Let's go to The Deadly Ritual. Oh, my gosh, Sam. That one freaked me out. Greg, I don't know if you, and I'm sure Sam can tell us the story again, and you'll remember exactly. Man, I was so scared for you. Because remember, I was six years old when this movie came out. So I was so scared for you because I'm like, oh no, what's going to happen to you with the deadly ritual? Are you going to survive this? And how lucky you were to survive it.
3: Yeah, I I, I love that vernacular. I've never heard it, but you're talking about reaching my hand into the wood where the wood beast was. Yes. And, yeah, it's funny. I've never heard that that description called the deadly ritual. But that that's exactly that's what, what it's right.
1: googling and googling it right now on YouTube. That's
3: amazing. So, you know. Know. Uh, No, I've had I've had uh, I've had men come to my table in their late in their mid to late 40s, uh, early 50s and say, you traumatized my entire my entire childhood. I said, what (laughs) what did I do? He said, "Yeah, you put your hand, your arm down that tree trunk where the wood beast was. And I had crazy nightmares. I said, well, are the nightmares over now? Yes, now that I've met you it's over. Okay. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. Okay. I was just just an actor. But what happened during that scene which was crazy because we were jumping around from sound stage to sound stage in London and uh that was on the set of Arborea, yeah, Arborea. A big million dollar set in 1979 if you could believe that. And uh so I asked the prop guys, you know, we they, the lights have been out for two weeks and we just came in and they started to light it and all that. And we came in for a quick rehearsal. And I, I turned to the prop guys. And I said, Hey, have you, have you shined a flashlight down the tree trunk? And he looked at me and he went, no, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> so when we filmed that, I decided not to shine a flashlight. God forbid there was a snake or something in there for real, just, just to Feed off of that reaction that in reality, the soundstage lights have been out. No one's really checked. Uh, I'm sure he did, but he just wanted to communicate that to me to probably get me in character. And I decided to go with it. And that I, was, yeah, I, I, yeah, there could have been something in there.
2: <laughs> wow, that's great. So nobody tricked you. Nobody like filled it with shaving cream or put anything in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. But the, the, the trick was the way he responded. Oh, boy. Yeah no i haven't checked in there okay
1: that's a mind game for yeah. sure <laughs> so i'll uh, definitely have to check that scene out and check that out on youtube but greg has his favorite question he likes to ask all the guests unless you have another question for sam before that what is the question greg
2: yeah no th- this is it let's get right to it so this is for well for me personally and for everyone who listens to uh to my podcast you know sam what is it that you feel is the most important thing in life that you've ever learned
3: oh God, bringing down to one, just, you know, Max von out people before him, people that that I trusted my life when I was young, uh, said, uh, really, be a, uh, you need to be an excellent listener in life, and it took me, uh, yeah, it took me, uh, <laughs> it took me a lot of years. I've, I've been married to Ramona for thirty-one years, so with her, I probably became an excellent listener. Probably uh, three years ago. <laughs> okay, <laughs> you know I'm a work in progress, but yeah, j- just be an excellent listener. And we have to add this last couple of years of COVID. You know, we- we're human beings. We're not designed for isolation. We are designed for community. We have a community here. Yeah, it's over. It's over the 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 you know the the Zoom, the video, and all that. But th- there's nothing like getting out and just. Uh, um, Comm- so, with COVID and being sort of isolated, and now, now we've received the announcement. Okay, you can leave your house now. You can <laughs> go outside, go to the Comic-Con, go to the store, say hi to people. This is what we need. And in the, during this time of COVID, even when it was first opened and we, we got out there, I think we were so oversensitive and so easily offended. So, I'd say, number one, be an excellent listener. Don't get so don't get so easily offended. People are hurting. We don't know if that person that just verbally abused you. We don't know if he just lost a family member or lost his wife or something. We have no idea. So be uh, be, be an excellent listener. Don't be so easily offended, and just smile. Because if you smile and laugh, you're going to make other people do it. Just enjoy life. Yeah, those three things. Be an excellent listener, and um, uh, and smile. Bring, you know, don't don't be easily offended and cause other people, cause other people to to smile and laugh too. It, it makes a huge difference. No,
1: that's right. great. Thank you. Fantastic stuff. Where is the best place we can learn more about you and purchase the comic book? Where can we go? Yeah, it's
3: so simple, guys. Are you ready? Are you ready? It's so simple. You don't even need to write it down. Write it down. Just go to Google and type in Indiegogo. Sam J Jones saves the galaxy and then it, yeah it type in uh, Andy Gogo Sam J Jones saves the galaxy and there's five tiers that jo, that Joe Archie put up really cool and the fifth tier is the the big commander one and and I've and we've you get all the you get all the art you get all the comic book all these perks and and for the big you get a private one on one this is right A private one on one meal with yours truly, Sam J. Jones. So you say to yourself, Well, how am I going to have a private meal with Sam J. Jones? Well, you go there, you work it out with Joe. If you're, I live in San Diego, of course, you're not coming to my house. Okay. (laughs) If you do, we have a lot of surprises for you. Okay. (laughs) Remember, I'm a secure, I'm a Marine and a security guy too. But if you happen to be in the San Diego area, that's where I live, then of course you work that out with Joe. Uh, we'll meet at a cool restaurant, and and then he uh, Joe's posting my comic con schedule. So this is cool. Let's say all you listeners in New York. I'm even going overseas in Vienna, New York, Texas, whatever. You you look at my schedule. You talk to Joe. I, I think the schedule's already posted. My and I'm calling it the uh, the Sam J Jones 2023 Comic Book Tour. That's what it is. It's the Sam J. Jones 2023 comic book tour. You'll look at that uh, tour schedule and say, wait a minute, Sam, you're going to be in Jersey. You're going to be in Texas for this uh, for this uh, Comic Con, this tour. Well, I'm going to be there. So we can work it out there. We can work it out there. And we're going to make it easy. We're going to make it easy and, and oversimplify everything for everybody.
1: All right. This is great stuff. We appreciate it. Thanks again. And Greg, whoa, well, that was fun. Appreciate it, guys. All right, that was Celebrity Interviews live yeah. from the Grotto with Greg Hanna. Guys, take care. back to the neil haley show and also the media giant effect i first excited to welcome my co-host damon cowboy 347 harper damon how are you and i know you're excited about our guests you're going to introduce them because when you talk about music you're a man fan of music and all these different things and it's really intriguing what these guys are doing oh absolutely i'm, I'm honored to be here
6: um ladies and gentlemen uh, i'm super honored to share space with uh, Brother Rossell and Brother Dee Brown um, of Nova. Um, I, I feel like they are cornerstones of the L.A. scene uh, with some of the sweat equity they've invested in the industry and uh, on the media giants platform. This is huge. Yes, Lord.
5: Wow. Thank you. Thanks for ha- thank having us. Appreciate that. Thank you for having us, you guys.
1: How did it all That's start? For you guys? Yeah, So how did it all start for you guys? Kind of give us a story. Uh it's um it's just interesting uh, we both have two unique
5: stories of how uh, we were just came into music and um, basically how we were introduced by someone that was a family member to him and someone that was a best friend to me and the moment we were put together that supernova just happened and so um, you know it's uh, a long um, story that probably could take the whole show, but <laughs> to, to, uh, to break it down in short terms, um, you know, we just kind of, uh, connected through a mutual, uh, friend of ours or family member to Davey. And he saw, he saw, he recognized the talent and he brought us to, to together basically in some way. Wow. Yeah. So you know, sometimes okay. it's just that that story about um, uh, that friend that that's always saying, "Oh, you gotta meet that that my cousin. You gotta meet my cousin." You always have that that's friend like- that's always trying to pair you with somebody. You gotta meet my cousin, and it's just weeks and months go by, and finally that opportunity happened where we're in a studio session. It's like, remember that cousin you were telling me about? Why don't you bring him on through? And he right. brought him on through, and it happened to be Davy Brown, and it's just the magic happened instantly. All right, all right. Uh
6: Neil, you don't mind if I, if I dive on. right in. Go um, ahead, dive in. The
5: go, go,
1: go, go. It's a
6: blessing, man. Um, yeah, man, I, I want to get the juices flowing. Um, yeah, yeah. Bro, brother, I'm gonna start with Brother Rossell. So, uh I, I I've caught I've caught um I've caught some of your work growing up um just off oh. of the the Fergie story off of VH1 a long time ago. But right. there's this there's this dynamic I have to ask, like you know, having having the the hits that you guys have, um, you know, allowing yourselves to be in top 40 right now, you got one that's, you know, 38, you got one that's 41 on um, the iHeartMedia. And, you know, I saw a segment from Jermaine Dupree. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come a little different with, with my question. And he said how he ran into babyface um, a long time ago. And because uh, I think he had a hit from Chris Cross. And uh, Babyface said, man, um," you know, he basically belittled Jermaine Dupree's sweat equity in the the track, but he made Jermaine Dupree feel like he did nothing. And Jermaine Dupree said that, uh, you know, know, man, it was then I realized that I can't just do it one time. I have to continuously do this thing. So because of that fact, right, um, as artists, as producers, as writers, right, um, does does is there like this sense of like man underappreciation of your sweat equity because you have to get something done and move on to the next right uh, or because Brasel right uh, coming back to the point of why I wanted to start this this phenomenal dialogue because of the fact that you introduced Fergie to 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 Black Eyed right the fact that you've done some production work the fact that you've you've done some writing right. Is there this sense of like being present? There's this sense of like being more rooted in gratitude, right? Because you had kind of like a different introduction into the music game.
5: Yes, Lord. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, it's it's, uh, it's that's a good question, right there. <laughs> um, it's kind of like being a fortunate to see your own friends uh, deal with the kind of ups and downs and the challenges that they went through in the industry. Right. And so, um, you know, it was tough for them. You, you know, people just saw them blow up and the glitz and glamour. But there was more to their story that a lot of people don't realize. They had to fight and they had issues with the label. They had issues with themselves and all that kind of stuff to get to where they are. And but the thing is, I think that we all kind of were um, as a group of us, we're always inspired to. There's that a, a certain thing, I think, in especially with hip hop where there's a a, like a a competitiveness. And so we would always try to impress each other and outdo each other. And so that kind of um, thing, I think you kind of as a habit that that makes you keep on going, where it's like, we're all about that ambition and all about trying to grow and progress and, and see what we can do creatively and do things that we haven't done before, especially. And so with music has been able to uh, me and Davey, we strive to continue to do things that we just haven't done before and uh, whether it's musically creatively or traveling going to a different place that we haven't been before or um, just just you know, I think to to not get bored to know and just that this has just been uh, in our soul just to do music whether whether um you know, I don't know it's just something that we just don't stop it's just in us it's that ambition and so beyond just being around people that influence you and that are always staying creative we kind of uh see that create we see that kind of like inspiration throughout in the world that that makes us to continue to write and and Davey is always constantly coming up with different um uh, music and he's like here let's Listen to this and this. So it's just I think that support of just having good people around you that that keep you going and keep you um as having ideas and having visions to keep um to keep motivated, I guess, in some way.
1: So yes. you yeah. know absolutely yeah. <laughs> now, Davey, how much did you learn from Russell working with him for these years and kind of getting this together and of his experience from- uh, um an
7: unmeasurable? invaluable amount I mean I I think we kind of play off of each other so well that it just even from day one it just came too easy and so it was kind of like a no-brainer right off the bat of just the way we kind of bounced off of each other and um you know it was just one of those things where we started off not even uh doing a session for ourselves but more like doing work with uh with other artists and then it was just kind of one of those instant like hey we're doing this for other artists but you know we should do our own stuff it was it was just way too easy too smooth uh too natural and so yeah we just kind of had to ride the wave and go with the flow cuz it was it was just some this universal you know uh attraction of like you know why aren't we doing this ourselves and making our own music and put it that, that's what we do so yeah it just came way too easy but uh, as far as like, yeah, learning stuff, um, I mean, I couldn't even begin to to start nowhere to start, nowhere to end as far as what we've what we've learned off each other, what I know I've learned off of him, um, what I'm sure he's learned off off of me. We've, it's just, you know, anything, not even just music, but just life brotherhood. Um, you know, sometimes we talk on the phone for a couple hours and it has nothing to do with music and we're just kind of ping ponging back and forth. Um, in just sort of this like magical way where it could be just anything really any topic Yeah, you know, I, is, uh... I think
5: you learn to have um, a, a brotherhood in a sense with this and it's something just beyond music because um, you know you become almost like an extended, extended family in a sense and so I have that with uh, all all of a lot of the people I've worked with in the industry, where it's just um, you know, I think that having that brotherhood, having that connection, that bond, also um, brings it to another level of uh, keeping things going and keeping things consistent.
6: Um, uh, brother, brother, brother Brown and, and Rossell, uh, shout out to you guys. Uh, for sticking together for so long um, from the precipice of just being classmates that this thing about harmony I keep hearing um, what is it about both of you guys as individual stories that allows you guys to be respectful about the aspects of harmony as you guys you know grow together and create together Uh, Because, you know, you guys done some some phenomenal work and I got two more questions to ask after this, but Mm. I I would like to get you guys' mindset on just that and how important that is, you know, between the both of you doing such, you know, profound work together.
7: I think for me, uh, just first and foremost, like. So my dad was a multi-instrumentalist, my older brother's a multi-instrumentalist, so I kind of grew up in a house where instead of there being toys around, it was the toys were our musical instruments and so my dad always had like pro musicians coming in from different genres to jam my brother had his friends coming in to jam and so it was just kind of like the local jam house in southern california and so with that being said i kind of grew up in the mindset of just always like in jam mode which really is about harmonizing with your brothers and 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 collabing and so for me, it was just like a, a like a natural thing where you're just supposed to listen because these these are guys you're not coming in with sheet music like I've done the sheet music thing. I've played in like jazz orchestras, Latin jazz orchestras, that type of stuff. But as a kid growing up, it wasn't about sheet music. It was about listening and having that like musical conversation with each other. So I'm hearing this person. I'm hearing what can I do to to contribute? What can I do to 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 make that uh Sound better, and then what can I do? And hopefully, whatever I do, then they bounce off of that. And so it's just basically this musical conversation where my whole life has been trying to trying to harmonize uh, with mm-hmm. the people around me. And so for me, going back to the natural thing, it, it just it was just this innate thing inside of me where, uh, by the time I got old enough to have like my own bands, my own groups, and and play with people. Um, including Ross Sal, it was, it was just kind of like what I do, just as a, as an improv musician, just kind of jamming back and forth. I'm always looking for that, that harmony.
6: Right, right,
7: yeah, right. Yeah, I right. think um, I, I would
5: say uh, having that experience of um, being in the studio with Will I Am and those guys, and and uh, him opening the door for us to in, have our input on ideas on songs and just different things like that really flex that muscle. And he does such a, a, a wide re, uh, a range of different um, genres. Um, it, it just kind of uh, helped for me being in that room and in that experience to also um, be able to be flexible on what, what you write and how you approach songs creatively. And, you know, I've, you have sometimes at least for me I've learned to be able to to be able to write where I'm in in my shoes but at the same time to be able to write uh, in a perspective out of my shoes. Yeah. And so um you know and then also being in a health a healthy competitive environment where everybody's invited to kind of see who could bring the best idea or the best verse and stuff like that. And it's like um, one of the things that me and Davey always say is that heat and pressure creates diamonds. So it's just like during those times where you're getting that heat and that pressure, that, that that's where great stuff is usually uh, born. You know, that's where the diamond is formed right there. Right. So um, working with them prepared me to be able to work with such a talented individual like Davey and for us to really create that supernova sound. Because so- it's different from a lot of other sounds out there. And, you know, you have to really be confident on what you're working on and knowing that it, that it has a place and that it could fit in the months of uh, what's happening right now, in a sense.
1: So, Russell, where do you see this going, the, the group? Where do you see you guys? What are your goals and stuff that you want to accomplish? Um, we have really big goals, actually,
5: because, you know, obviously being around guys like uh, Black Eyed Peas and stuff like that, you can see how they've become such a global success. So that's just inspiration for us to also build our, we're in the process of building our Zupa world in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Zupa Nova is just one part of the Zupa world that we're bringing to the table. So we're, we're getting, we're, we're going to be uh, doing events, we're going to be doing um, fashion and, um, you know, also getting involved with more nonprofits and things like that but we're pretty much building a, a zupa world around uh, Zupa zupanova
7: yeah anything uh, from uh like setting up our own um uh, 501c3 um known as the zupa foundation you heard it here first and uh and, and because we've been we've been um kind of collabing with uh with other nonprofits for for years now uh most notably uh, ambition.org which um primarily deals with uh, like underprivileged youth in the LA area. And so we've just kind of had this passion for, uh, for giving back. And so we kind of have our own thing with the Zupa foundation that we're going to link up with some of these other um, nonprofits as well. Try to do like some, some, some Zupa collabs on that end. Um, As well as the kind of bringing uh, music, fashion and lifestyle um together in these events where it's not just going to be a concert it's not just going to be like a runway show it's not just going to be like like a an art gallery um where right. people bring in you know their their artisan crafts and 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 things of that nature but just try to kind of you know take that supernova which is originally like where the band name came from but instead of from A to Z we're going to put that flip from Z to A zupa so we're going to put that zupa twist on it and and just try <laughs> to kind of have that you know explosion of of sound color frequency you know styles and uh and, and so we want to make it um less of a concert and and less of a of a runway show and less of uh an art gallery and and, and things of that type and more of an experience mm-hmm.
6: i i have to as an entrepreneur um you know i i love how this thing go when you when you build connections and you try to create right you right. know the nfl the nfl was a a 501c6 up until 2015 Wow. right mm-hmm. so there is like so many ways to to create and to bring people together and you guys are killing me how modest you guys are right now and i i really <sighs> appreciate how you guys broke that down and putting the z on to the you know doing it backwards but mm. what is the mission and vision right um just by starting the 501c3 like you guys coming together and saying that yeah with the ambition uh project like what is that, what is the the, the the unique, you know, details and the gristle of y'all's mission and vision, though,
5: right? Right. Right now, uh, we're, what we are really excited about is the next song we're getting into is called Zupa Love. And it's just all about spreading love, spreading more love to the world. And so uh, we're in the process right now of putting together a Zupa Love concert series so the Zupa and a docu series, and so it's going to be kind of like documenting the process of what we're going to be doing now and leading up to next year because we're in talks with um, the Commerce of Orange County to do uh, a Zupa Love Festival Mm -hmm. so we're going to be doing a Zupa Love concert series leading up to a Zupa Love Festival that will be be, um, pretty much documenting the process and so the thing I think is really important with the youth especially and um, tied in with the nonprofit as well, like for the past few years, we've been working a lot with the youth and inviting them on to perform with us. Great talents that they'll learn our songs and they'll be rapping the verses and all kind of things like that. So I think it's important um, for these kids to have the opportunity to be on the same stage as some of this established talent and they have that on their resume, you know, because it's like, you know, as a, you know, as a youth, you're just trying to chase doing a demo or doing all these things and doing showcases. But if you're able to be on the same stage and open up or, you know, with a a big headliner and you share that, that's something that you have on your resume forever, you know, and giving kids that kind of opportunity, I think, and that experience Mm -hmm. and that feeling to be on that same stage, I think is important and what we want to provide uh going forward with the events and things like that the fashion shows that we'll be doing and providing
7: yeah really really being able to open up uh uh doors and opportunities that that were never open for us and so you know to try to give ourselves a a platform that you know we can kind of uh you know give back in that sense of like um, for years I was uh, a music educator and I, I would teach multiple instruments and my whole thing was well let me teach like all the stuff I grew up wishing that somebody showed me let me try to show that you know and then sort of uh, uh, within that giving you sort of receive your, your own blessings of, of not only like let's say you know, a lot of teachers say sometimes they learn more from the student than the, than the student learns from them, even if it's like a life lesson or something like that, or just like how to how to communicate uh, with other people, how to how to reach them in ways that you haven't been able to reach people before and things like that. And so. So, yeah, ultimately, um, we basically just want to be able to open these doors and, and, and provide some opportunities that that we really never had ourselves.
1: All right. Well, where's the best place you guys can find information on you? Where can we, where can we go?
7: Um, you can find us at ZupaNovaOfficial.com. And of course, every major platform out there, all the social medias, uh, you can find us at Zupa Nova, Z-U-P-A. ZupaNova,
1: are you? Where are you guys touring? What cities? You're going to be doing some tours too, right? You're going to be coming, going out? We
5: are. Well we have um or this this month we'll be filming um to our um Zupa Love music video that we plan on releasing early next month. Uh, the next gig we have will be for the uh, Mayfest festival, Mayfest festival which is um going to be benefiting care caregivers. And so this is uh in Carson Civic Center on May 7th. And we'll be there uh that's in uh, California as well as the right?
1: Wish bus it's Carson yeah, yes.
5: here in California
1: yeah yeah I have a connection Carson that's, City yeah I have a great connection it's a caregiver that's like pretty known but on 40 different channels stations and stuff like that I'll connect you I'll, I'll let your publicist know because nice. he's great. really into the caregiving end and I also you should guys read out reach out to um oh my gosh I'm thinking of the guy's name he's a Celebrity he's doing a caregiving show too so uh, that's fantastic yeah
5: please Please, please connect uh, Connect us because I'm actually also, uh, that's what I do too. I'm also a caregiver outside Are you? the artist. Oh, you side. have to
1: meet Caregiver Danis yeah. Danny. I have to introduce you to him. Yeah. Uh, okay. That would be great. Excellent. I'd love
5: yeah. to invite him out, especially. It's, it's, uh, oh, he lives in LA. So caregiving.
1: he can come out and all that. So I'll make that connection with your publicist. All right, guys. We Perfect. appreciate thank it. Best of luck to you. Hey, okay? thank you. All right. Hey, so thank, you thank you very much. for having All thank right. you guys. For listening and watching you on Supernova. We'll be back in just a moment
4: who fell on her bicycle, in other words, and it didn't have a seat. So the um, top of the bicycle went into her vagina. And that was the story I got. So on my way to the hospital, I'm thinking, as I'm driving, what is this? What is the real problem here? Because it didn't sound realistic at all to have an accident like that. Well, as it turns out, she was sexually molested by her older brother
1: Hi everyone and welcome to a special simulcast podcast that uh it's the Neil Haley show with a podcast called Doc Tales with World Doc Allen Lindemann uh doc uh you're branching out you know we were talking a lot about your medical career but now we're going to interview some people right and you're know, talking about all these great tips you provide for pregnant women but now it's time for a new podcast right
4: well, that's what we're looking for. It's not actually—I mean, it's new, but it, and it's—it's it's in addition. It's not a replacement. So, yeah, we're happy about this. Thank you, Neil. All
1: right. So let's talk about—we're going to who, what types of people we're going to interview, and how you're going to kind of tell stories throughout these uh, interviews, which and really give your opinion more, so we get to kn- really know the true rural doc. You know.
4: Well, certainly, I have a lot of opinions, and some of them are unpopular. But DocTales actually started about, uh, I'd say, probably 20 years ago. Uh, We actually had a website on it, and it was a story about patients and their encounters with the medical system, and uh, sometimes it gets to be complicated in ways you wouldn't even imagine.
1: I'm sure. I couldn't even imagine what you mean by that, the, the different things, but you saw things in the medical field that you were blown away, not understanding what you're getting yourself into, right?
4: Right. I, I can give you a couple examples. Uh, one of them was a young woman. She's about 25 years old. She came in to me. Well, actually, she presented to the emergency room 15 weeks pregnant. She had gotten a new um, blazer, and it was rolling toward a brick wall, And so she wanted to protect the bumper. So she placed herself between the blazer and the brick wall and crushed her pelvis when she was pregnant. So we had a lot of problems with that. We had bleeding. We had a a dead baby. We had. um, And so I went, we took her to the operating room and the uh, um, trying to stop the bleeding. And the anesthetist or the anesthesiologist says, you have 15 minutes to close her, and I'm waking her up. So we really couldn't complete our procedure. And she was in the hospital over the weekend. I gave her seven units of blood and sent her off to, uh, to St. Paul eventually, uh, which is where I had my residency. The nice thing is she lived, but it was uh, kind of a one thing after the next uh, that was a problem for her.
1: Wow. The stories you, you can't believe them right that they happen right and that's why you started doc tells to begin with but when we talk to um, we're going to be talking to doctors they're going to tell these stories about how we're lacking a lot of resources available to have good health care
4: well you know this is one of the problems we have with health care deserts and obstetric deserts and of course this hospital i was practicing at wasn't a total desert but there were things things we didn't have and one of them was good anesthesia
1: oh man no that's just not good to know good anesthesia and (laughs) you know you guys carry these medical you know medical insurance malpractice insurance things like that are hospitals good at covering things up in ways to make sure that they can they don't end up getting sued
4: well every year this problem gets worse you know I talked to one of my nurses um, a few years ago, she said she they spent a lot of time in her training making sure that the nurses could lateralize responsibility or guilt. In other words, direct the guilt and the responsibility away from the hospital and onto the provider.
1: That's, just cra- that's crazy stuff, uh, for sure. And uh, tell me one more, another story, because, uh, again, I think that when people go to Doctail's The website's soon gonna be up. People can check out some of these stories. Again, hopefully we republish a lot of them. They'll be great.
4: Well, thank you. Yes, I do have many more stories, but the one that comes to my mind now is a little bit tricky. This is, uh, I got a call to the emergency room, and this was a different hospital. And the doctor calling me said, oh, we have a young girl, a seven-year-old girl who fell on her bicycle in other words and it didn't have a seat so the uh, top of the bicycle went into her vagina and that was the story i got so on my way to the hospital i'm thinking as i'm driving what is this what is the real problem here because it didn't sound realistic at all to have an accident like that well as it turns out she was sexually molested by her older brother and uh, the top of her vagina was broken. I had to do surgery on her to close that. And the biggest problem was that we had a hard time getting anybody to recognize that it was a problem. In other words, we had trouble getting social service involved. And then she went home. And unfortunately, she went back into that same situation. And I, so I called the police. I said, what kind of protection do I have I get for this Man, what kind of protection do my children have? Because he was calling my house on my children's phone. And they said the same protection that we have, which is nothing. So we were kind of afraid for a while what was going to happen. And about six months later, I got a phone call from him saying, You're right, Dr. Linderman. I did that. Um, but in the meantime, the family had moved out of state. And of course, the uh, criminal part of this would only go as far as the border of the state. So um, the, as it turned out, we got the young girl fixed up from a physiologic point of view, but I don't know what happened to her as far as a mental point of view. And I don't know what was ever done to her brother. So yeah, you see things that you'd like not to see.
1: Oh, absolutely you do. And it's, 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 it's sad, isn't it really what happens?
4: Well, it's sad and it's scary, and it's an example of what sometimes doesn't work in healthcare.
1: All right. Well, the best place people can find information now is at com and also safepregnancy.com and now DocTales. Where is it? or Yes, it is.
4: It's DocTales.com, Neil. <laughs> All right. Well, we
1: appreciate it. The inaugural podcast guests galore are coming. Be ready. And thanks again, Doc.
4: Thanks a lot, Neil. All
1: right. That was the World Doc Allen uh, Doc Tales podcast. Take care, guys. We're back to the Neil Haley show and also uh, the love is celebrity podcast. I'm excited to welcome from Kim Sorrell, author of love is Kim. How are you? And I know you're excited about your guest and our guest, and I'm excited about the film because I'm a huge fan of George Foreman. I mean, again, he's a gentle giant like myself, who's 6'10", Kim. So this is kind of like, you know, I'm a little taller than George, but I, I always loved him as a boxer
0: yeah right what a classy guy right so uh with an interesting life so yes neil i'm doing great good to see you and i am very excited about our guest george tillman jr who is a wave maker a groundbreaker. i am so impressed george with your resume the things that you have done you have uh done some things to really pave the way for some incredible films Uh, that are um, wonderful for the black community, even though I hate to say they're films for the black community, but some of the films you've done, certainly that's the you've drawn so much traffic from that, but I feel like we're turning a corner and things are becoming more for everybody. And you've done just some incredible things. This George Foreman, obviously, I mean, everybody's interested in George Foreman and his career and that had to be an experience, but I'm so curious about you because here you are, this Chicago guy. I'm from Michigan, Midwestern, and uh, won some awards. You've just, you've just done it. I'm just so impressed with everything that you've done, uh, the stories that you've portrayed. You know, just talking about real people and real lives, and and making people feel like they're part of the story. So welcome, welcome, welcome to our show.
6: Thank you, thank you for having, having me. I appreciate it, I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, so this, what it, what's what been big for you? Like, I'm just curious, I mean, that, just because you've done so much and so much good and uh, tearing down walls and the first of this and the first of that, which should have happened years ago, but you made it happen. And uh, what's what do you consider your biggest achievement? Like, what's made you just pursue, pursue, pursue?
6: Well, you know, just from watching other, you know, like you were saying, I love telling stories that can really help entertain first, but then help other people. Like I remember when I was a kid, I saw Barry Levinson film, Avalon, and Avalon was about his family as immigrants moving to America. I was so blown away, even though that family was about the Jewish immigrants. And I just felt like it was very inspiring for me to tell my story with Soul Food, about my family after Sunday dinners, after coming from church, my grandmother doing all the cooking. And even though it was African-American characters, it was fun and it was for everybody. So that's what I always wanted to do would tell stories uh, that can